Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome back to Picked Up. Uh, the TV Pilot Review Podcast. Uh, every week here we watch a different uh, pilot episode of a TV show and decide whether or not we pick it up as a network and as a human damn being on this earth trying to watch some good TV. I'm your host, Rich Camalucci, and across the way from me this week, he uh, just got back, but he forgot to get the Froyo. It's Tony Colt. Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back and get the Froyo. All right, cool, thanks. And and really, you're just gonna be out on the lawn with the dog, finding after neighbor. my neighbor's wife. Yeah, <laughs> really hard, <laughs> so hard. Uh, Tony, dude, um, you you may recognize Tony from uh, uh, the third co-host of the blank slate and all of our wonderful basketball conversations you probably don't recognize me but you that's fine definitely do uh but yeah so uh thanks for coming on the show dude yeah hey it's uh awesome to finally be on uh picked up and uh it was really fun to watch a pilot with you tonight <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh i can't wait to get to that part of it because there's a lot to talk about <laughs> so let's let's yeah, we'll get we'll there set that to the side for a minute. We'll get there. Um, but uh, uh, as custom here on Picked Up, I like to ask whoever's sitting across from me every other week, what you watching? Uh, what am I watching like lately? Uh, yeah. Lately, uh, been going through Parks and Rec on Netflix uh, for the first time uh, with my lady. She's a big Parks and Rec fan. Um, she was watching it one day and I walked in and just kind of sat down and started watching it and been doing that for a couple weeks so that's it just, great it it really does suck you in um it does um we we made the wise decision i think of just disregarding the first season we just started with the second season and it's only six episodes too the first yeah season. and i had watched i think the first two or three like years ago and yeah. I, I just wasn't into it and so she was like yeah no we should just started the second season and it it's it, it's awesome i've been loving parks and rec the yeah the first season has a really hard like tone problem to it it doesn't start to become the show it does until season two episode three i want to say uh that's the episode where they're all trying to find out secrets about each other and like turning it oh, into a game yeah and everyone finds out everything bad about jerry yes yeah yes that is that is when Parks and Rec becomes Parks and Rec. That was a really good episode. I actually just uh, watched the series in total for I think the fourth time. Yeah, I like just finished it the other day because I was. It's also a good background show until like you become disinterested in what you have to be doing. Yeah, and, and then, then just start your attention slowly. You know, you see like a Duke Snyder scene is coming up, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, or, you know, you're going to get a really good what's the word with Purd uh, segment. I love Purd. <laughs> Purd is not talked about or referenced enough. Not nearly. No. Um, man. Well, moving right along from Purd. I, <laughs> uh, moving on from that segment is what we're going to do by moving on. Uh, but, yeah, I'm very happy to hear that uh, you're getting into uh, Parks and Rec. 
and I'll say this because I know I uh, was very happy when I saw it. Um, I think it might be season four. There's a damn good deep cut West Wing, ref- West Wing reference Ooh. on the episode that Bradley Whitford guest stars on. Well, there has to be one there. Yes, there does. And it's a great reference. Wonderful. Yeah. Um, I will definitely look forward to that when I get to the fourth season. Yeah. And it's also just a great to that show's got such a pedigree to it as well. Yeah. It's one of those where like the whole cast is all stars, but they weren't when they made it. Yeah. So, you know, it's just like, I mean, it's just cool to like see that lightning in a bottle, like everyone at the start of their career sort of deal. Like Aziz wasn't really doing much at that point. Like I didn't really know what Rashida Jones was doing before that. She was like guesting on the office, I think. Yeah. Um, no, that 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 shows the shit. No one really knew Chris who Nick Offerman was. Chris Pratt, Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. Like, no one knew who who I and fuck Jerry. <laughs> there, uh, and and in front of the screen and and behind the screen as well, because uh, it was started by um, I think Greg Daniels was an executive producer who was sort of the the guy behind the American office. Mm-hmm. Um, but the show is really kind of like curated by uh, Mike Shore and Dan Gore, um, who they then after Parks and Rec went on to do Brooklyn nine, nine. Oh. And then Mike Shore then went on to do the good place, which is with Ted Danson and Kristen Bell. Also a fantastic show. Very much like in the same vein and tone as Parks and Rec, but like a completely different, a very different concept. Okay. Um, but such a, a good show and and such a damn positive show. That's the other thing I love about Parks and Rec. It's just so damn positive. It is. And uh, we are recording this on a certain day when it's when it's difficult to feel uh, optimistic and uh, cheery about government and what it is going to do. Uh, but, yeah, that show just has kind of an eternal optimism to it that is that is very nice. There's a, 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 a city council race that takes place that rings way too fucking true. Yeah. And it, and it was four years, three, four years before uh, this past election. Well, isn't there uh, something that the Simpsons had an episode like 15 years ago? Where they projected like a weird dystopian future and it was, you know, the president was Donald Trump and all that. Really? I haven't seen that. I thought I'd seen uh, like a story about that. I think it that might be after me. I stopped watching The Simpsons. It, um, yeah. Because, you know, you have to stop at some point. Uh, you really do. Well, like, it's been on for like 28 years and, now. And I feel like everyone has a different. Everyone has their own Simpsons, you know? Yeah, because like it's everyone's... a very different show depending on your age. Yeah, or just like yeah, when you watched because I watched it when I was much much younger, mm. and probably wasn't getting nearly as much out of it as as I should have been later on. Right, but well, I was still watching it for like El Barto, well, right, and you know things like that. It was uh, it was a great show to watch on like every single weekday afternoon for an hour. It was yeah. on like UPN. There was like a back to back of Simpsons at like five and five thirty. Yep. So it was just like the perfect thing just to, you know, middle of the afternoon, 
it's middle school. You got nothing to do. Yeah. It's too damn hot because you live in Florida, so you can't really go outside. Make so. yourself like a a turkey sandwich and some Kool-Aid. Yeah, or probably worse at that point. Yeah. Probably worse. Uh, No, but yeah, love, love, love The Simpsons. Stopped watching it decades ago. Yeah. Um, what else am I watching? Uh, watching SNL this season. I've missed the last few. How's it been? Uh, it's been good. It's been good. Um, you know, really looking forward to Aziz this yes. week. Yeah. Um, I think their election coverage has been strange. Yeah, you can say that when they have one of the candidates fucking host. Well, they had one of the candidates host. And they didn't really call him to the carpet on, like, any of the really offensive stuff that he had done. Then, I don't know, it seems like the show, uh, my understanding of the way that SNL works is that there's kind of, like, the sketch writing staff and then Weekend Update is sort of its own island within the show with, like, its own writing staff, which I think will necessarily mean that it has its own viewpoint that's in in independent of the show um and i feel like the show has been like very anti-trump obviously i mean every single cold open is basically just them reading the news yeah having alec baldwin do like a decent but funny uh trump um but then update i feel like really doesn't go after him super hard see i've and again i haven't watched the last four to five episodes i feel like at least on the whole update's been coming into its own well i think it's good i think it's funny and i feel like they've been kind of digging in a little bit more like at least 75 percent of the individual segments i feel like are about trump in some way well right um so it's not like they're you know like yeah easing up as far as how much they cover of it. And even then, I think the jokes are, are don't really pull too many punches. Um, but then again, I don't really see in comparison to like what else, you know, like other late night things are doing. Yeah, man, I don't know. I, I, I heard a long form interview on another podcast that no longer exists. So I don't feel bad mentioning it uh, was the off message podcast uh, with Glenn Thrush, uh, who used to write for uh, Politico and now writes for the New York Times. And he had uh, Colin Jost and Michael Che on the show for like a 45 minute, you know, how do you cover politics in your position sort of thing. And Jost and Che were were both like very complimentary of of Trump almost like had a lot of personal respect for him, even Che in a way that I thought was was really weird because obviously those guys are both you know, fairly liberal. Yeah. Um, they're both from New York, so they sort of get Trump, I think, in a way that many people don't get Trump. Right. Um, but I don't know how you, I mean, sure. They, you know, they like met the guy, but you can't, was it in a way of just like, well, he fucking did it. It was kind of in a way like that. Yeah. But like, you don't get to just like start complimenting yeah. people that like, you know, you don't play footsie with racists. You know, it's that sort you, of thing is, is, is like, no, it's that exact thing. Well, right. Is, <laughs> is like, he's a racist and a sexist and he, 
his election was aided by a foreign government. Like, you can't say like, well, you know, you got to you got to give him that. He won. It's like he lost by three million votes. Yeah. And a foreign country had to intervene. Anyway, I've also been watching a lot of basketball. <laughs> uh, the season's been speaking of foreign countries intervening. Uh, I've been trying to watch the last bit of Dirk Nowitzki. Um, I'm going to try to not talk about basketball because that's what we do on the blank slate every time. No, but that said, I've even gone on record as saying, especially last year's playoffs, were some of the best TV there was. Oh, yeah. I mean, especially in the summer. Yeah. In like May and June, there's really not much else on. on. Sure. You want to watch baseball? No. Fuck no. (laughs) Who does that? There are still enough people that watch baseball. The elderly. You're referring to the elderly? And now we're just going to go back into a circle of talking about how we got here on this day. Anyway. Uh, what's been state? There's a lot of big basketball. I mean, we, we don't have to spend too much. We don't have to spend a blank slate amount of time. No, sure. On it. But like, there's some pretty exciting storylines. Yeah. In basketball this year. Oh, Absolutely. There's a lot of uh, very uh, statistically aberrant basketball occurring. <laughs> yes, that is a fantastic way to put it. Uh, Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple-double. We're more than halfway through the season. Uh, that shows no signs of abating. No. Uh, because he pretty much has to every night. Uh, James Harden is leading the league in scoring and assists. and He pretty much has to, but also like totally wants to as well. Russ? Yeah. Yeah, Russ is the kind of guy that you could, well, you could absolutely tell that he hated passing to Kevin Durant because he didn't do it <laughs> that, like, nearly as often as you should pass to, like, the best pure scorer in the league. Yeah. Uh, now, you know, Russ probably deserves to have his own team. I could see that. Um, well, now he's got it. They're going to get waxed in the in the first round by yeah. either San Antonio or Houston. Sure. So, but it's cool to watch until then. Yeah. Well. Well. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Uh, it's 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 absolute box office every night because you know that he's gunning for it. Um, I mean, the Rockets are super fun to watch. They're shooting more more threes than anyone's ever shot, um, and a lot of guys are rejuvenated there. Eric Gordon, etc. Yeah. Ryan Anderson's playing great. Um, a guy who I slagged on the blank slate actually, Clint Capella, is coming up big for them. Uh, so yeah, you gotta, you gotta hand it Houston. Uh, my team, the Mavericks are not fun to watch, uh, anytime. Um, I did see them in, in, in person this past week and it was the odd, awesome game. It was a one point game against the Bulls. Uh, that was not on television. Uh, I saw that live. <laughs> I don't think anybody watched on television cause who the hell would, no. um, but yeah, it's just been a great season. I mean, the Greek freak, like taking like one one dribble after half court and then like Euro stepping twice and dunking. Yeah, that was the next that will never get old. I was gonna go to. That will never get old to see that. It's just holy God. He's yeah. The, him and Steph Curry and guys like that are us physically witnessing the evolution of of what a human can do yeah like this is this is the next step of like of of physical feats right that happen and that is 
I think one of the most interesting things about the NBA is that it it brings together all sorts of guys who are strange and athletically excellent in very, very different ways. Yeah. So you get Isaiah Thomas this year is averaging like 29 a game. He's like five feet nine in shoes, you know, so he's he's a very small man and he's killing it. Uh, meanwhile, you've got like a, a seven foot point guard in uh, Giannis who is just doing everything this year and is so fun to watch. And then just all the like, you know, just like the weird, like just the weird body types, like the Porzingis body type. Yeah. Like there was a real fun uh, story Q&A type deal uh, in ESPN, the magazine last month uh, with a reporter and Porzingis, and they went to Disneyland. Oh. and Was he too tall to ride the rides? Yes. I'd love to hear he, that. He couldn't ride Space Mountain. Oh. Anticlimax. <laughs> so they went on the teacups instead. You are never too tall to ride the teacups. No. And on top of all of that, we haven't even mentioned that the team that broke the record for most wins in a season last year are still the best team in the league yeah they uh they played uh against the thunder the other night it was for the warriors they were exactly halfway through the season going into the game they were 35 and 6 so they were on a 70 win pace yeah after winning 73 last year just think you know there's only two two teams ever have won 70 games they did it last year and they could they could conceivably do it again yeah they haven't had like a you know a fifteen game win streak or a twenty game streak yet, and you got to think they have it in them. Mm-hmm. They are really fun to watch, but they're really fun to watch for like the first two quarters because then they get too far ahead. Yeah, <laughs> and then it's less fun. I'm and good on them for it working right away. Yeah, as as, as a, sure as a a fan of a team that put together a bunch of stars. Uh, it it didn't work right away, and it creates a lot of drama mm-hmm. uh, from the inside, from the outside, uh, and it gets weird. And they didn't have to deal with any of that because they just figured it out right away. Well, I think a lot of that is down to Steph Curry, who is you know sort of setting the the psychological tone for that team. Yeah, in as much as he's the two time reigning league most valuable player. He's a finals most valuable player, uh, led the league in scoring, on and on and on. And he's the fourth highest paid player on his team. He's totally fine with that. And when his team wanted to bring in somebody who was going to take shots and minutes away from him, he was like, oh, absolutely, yeah, we can get Kevin Durant. Oh, hell yeah, let's do it. And he's taking about four or five less shots a game this year. His scoring is down. It's, you know, not, not way down, but you know, four, five, six points down. Yeah. And, you know, he's not shooting as much, and he's totally fine with it. And they're going to win 70 games, and they're probably going to win the finals. How long do you see that lasting? The 70 wins pace or the... The, the psychology. Oh, like the cheery psychology? Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see which of, which of like the four main guys is the guy to break it. And it seems like... Draymond? 
Draymond seems like the guy who who is like most likely to break it psychologically, but he doesn't have the stature of being a most valuable player, which mm-hmm. two of his teammates have have been. Um, he doesn't have the stature of of being like anywhere near the best player on his team, and like anytime he says anything that would get in somebody's face, like. Steph can step right up to him and say, I make two thirds as much as you and I'm not talking. So shut the fuck up and let's just go out there and win. And I think Draymond is kind of all about that. So, and Clay Thompson just smokes too much weed to care. (laughs) He is an incredibly chill dude there. Look, there is a reason that Draymond Green has nicknamed him big Smokey. You hear Draymond call him that all the time. He's like, Big Smokey had it going tonight. <laughs> I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, it's a, it, it is a well-known fact that, uh, let's say, uh, that Clay Thompson uh, avails himself of everything that one can avail oneself of in the Bay Area. Um, yeah, so that's been about, most of the TV I've been watching is yeah. is in, you know, kind of sports. Soccer, too. No one wants to hear about that. No, but. you're right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, what are some of your all-timers? All-time favorite TV shows? Yeah. Uh, Mad Men. Yes. West Wing. Yes. Um, all-time favorites. Simpsons was, was way up there for a long, long time for me. Um not as much anymore. Loved the Daily Show with John Stewart. Yeah, that one I miss so much. When do, do you remember when you started getting into Daily Show? It was one of the Indecisions. It was probably two thousand. It was either Indecision two thousand or two thousand and four that I got into it like pretty hard. Two. It was two thousand for me, big yeah. time. Um, I remember watching it a little bit beforehand when they used to do like all those weird. Uh, yeah, the format of the show was very different. Very different. Where you would have your correspondents go out and like do like 2020 style stories out like in the field and put together like a piece. Right. Very weird. Right. It was like a satire of a news magazine show. Yes. Yeah. But then they realized that nobody watched news magazine shows and everybody watched cable news. And I think, greatly to their credit, they sort of shifted abruptly and stopped doing those, like, we're going to send Rob Riggle out to do a seven-minute segment. Yeah. And instead, they just started ripping apart cable news and yeah. essentially became the best media critic out Leaving there. Leaving Mo Rocca and Beth Littleford out of a job. Mo Rocca's on Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me every once in a while. Oh, is he? Yeah. Yeah. Which is another podcast y'all should uh, subscribe to if you can. He uh, he also landed on Animal Planet. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Good for him. Um, I hope he's like a cat. I hope he landed on his feet. <laughs> um, well, cool, man. Anything anything else uh, you got? All-timers. Boy. Uh, you know, it's, it's a lot of shows from my childhood, I think. It's yeah. a lot of like old old simpsons old sports center yeah i used to love it um used to love the playfulness of it when it was yeah and the guys that did it were 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 good 
Do and you... the guys that were good at it are still around doing doing other stuff. Yeah. And it's not a surprise that all of them have left ESPN in order to do good work. Yeah. The uh do you remember the Sports Center sketch on SNL with Ray Romano? I don't believe I saw that one. Oh. Sweet. Sassy Molassy. <laughs> we'll have to watch that okay. after this. Okay. Um it's it's Tim Meadows as Stu Scott and uh Ray Romano as a new anchor, just trying to do horrible classic sports Forcing center it. catchphrase. Yeah. Oh, I love and that. And it's yeah, it's not like too crazy of a premise. It's just them going. Uh it's great. I like that. Um one thing I'll I'll just say, uh, just sort of throw out there, mostly just because I'm pretty obsessed with it after just one episode. Mm. The young pope. Yeah, is it good? It's ridiculous. It's every bit as as just batshit insane as I wanted it to be. Okay. It's I'll say this. If you watch it and you feel the urge to laugh from a really weird and dark place you didn't know, just go with that feeling and laugh. Cuz it's supposed to make you laugh. That is where it's trying to tickle you. It you don't even know that you had that before, right? Yeah, but it's it's okay. wild. It's because like on the surface, on the surface, it has sort of this weird like, oh, I get it. He's a Frank Underwood of the Catholic Church, sure, but it does so many crazy weird things that are very confusing in a very good way. Well, if he is the Frank Underwood of the Catholic Church, then we don't have to worry about watching it past season one because it won't be any good. It's a limited series, so it's only one season. Great. Boom. Perfect. I love hearing about a limited series. Yes. I, I, I love hearing that somebody has a specific story to tell mm-hmm. and that it's contained and they know how it's going to end. Yep. <laughs> and they can fill the middle with all the cool bits, but they know how it's going to end at at the start because – and you know what? That was why I was always super skeptical of Lost and why I never got into it because (laughs) I kept hearing about it getting weirder and weirder and weirder. And I thought, you can't stick the landing at this point. There are, and I kept hearing people say they have a lot of loose ends to wrap up. And there were people saying that with like 10 episodes to go. And then they were getting more frantic about it with like five episodes to go. (laughs) And then. What like are gonna, what are they gonna do with these lo- loose ends yeah and lots and lots of friends of ours were very into that show at that time so we had to hear a lot about it there are people still saying they have a lot of loose ends they're gonna have to tie up and it was no surprise to me that, that it got to the end and everybody was like well what the fuck was that come on yeah in a way that nobody was like that with mad men for instance yeah which i mean it's it's it it is out there that Matthew Weiner said that he knew before he started shooting the first episode how he wanted the whole series to end. And I feel like you sort of need that if you're going to make something like really important and cool. Yeah. And even if you don't, but you catch on to something. Right. Such as like Breaking Bad. Well, right. Like they didn't know if they were going to get picked up. 
you know, from season to season until, of course, like the later seasons and it just got huge. But so in a case like that, you don't really know where it's going to go. You just have this premise. Right. But just don't be afraid of just going where it's just naturally going to go. And everyone is sort of. Spencer and I did talk about this a lot when we watched Lost. Mm -hmm. And like, yeah, enough people are going to talk about your show, which is a good thing, that they'll guess one of the endings that you'll have to do. So just don't try to outsmart everybody and just do the good one. Just read all the forums and pick pick the best one. And just you pick the one that you like the best and that you feel like you can pull off if you're sure within budget. You just go on Reddit and look at the ending that's most upvoted. Yeah. <laughs> go with that. There you go. <laughs> so. Everyone's a network executive now. Even us. Even us. <sighs> what do you think I got the show for, man? Proving myself. It's a hell of a segue. <laughs> so, uh, the show we watched uh, from the. Whoa. Very interesting. Uh, so, as you heard last week, I announced one show. Uh, and because it's our show, our rules, uh, and just because right. Because I changed my mind at the last minute. <laughs> uh, we did not watch Six Feet Under, uh, which we'll save for a later date. We ended up watching, well, you know what, let's, let, let it be a surprise. I'll play the trailer and the mu. I'll play the music. Fuck the trailer. You should know by the music. I'm going to play the music. You'll know it. Right now. On the run, driving in the sun, looking out for number one. California, here we come, right back where we started from. Well, hustles grab your to shadow weighs a ton, driving down the 101. California, here we come, right back where we started from. California, and yes. That you just heard was California by Phantom Planet. We're back here on Picked Up, and we watched the 2003 Fox series, BOC. Oh, boy. Uh, Ran for four seasons. Um, They only got 539 cast members in the four seasons? In 92 or 93 episodes. Um, the creative team behind this. Gee, of when I saw that, my heart skipped a beat. <laughs> I saw your shoulders perk up. Yeah, I was like, "Oh, McGee, <laughs> McGee, what?" Uh, and then also, uh, Doug Lyman, who has directed because he also directed this episode, but not Josh Lyman, not Josh Lyman. Doug Lyman, his brother Doug Lyman, uh, who's directed Swingers, The Born Identity, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, and Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I can you know, some balls and strikes. Yeah. Um, and then it was created by Josh Schwartz. They wanted to create a television show based in McGee's hometown of New York, New- uh, Newport Beach. 
just so it would be convenient for him to attend? Or, Sounds like it, yes. Or like they wanted to make fun of the place he lived? Or uh, McGee was actually supposed to direct this episode, and he couldn't due to scheduling conflicts with Charlie's Angels 2. Full throttle? Full throttle. Look, man, if you're going full throttle, you can't. You can't be directing TV you shows. You can't take your foot off the throttle even for a minute <laughs> to go direct the pilot of the OC. <laughs> you got to keep that throttle wide open. There's no cruise control. There's no. This isn't Speed 2. This is Charlie's Angels 2. <laughs> I like to think it was a direct response to Speed 2 cruise control. Oh, you're on cruise control? No. Fuck that. Fuck that. Fuck that and fuck you. Um, okay. Do you have any sort of like background with the OC at all? Like, so I I have never watched a full episode of the OC until just this evening. Um, literally the only things that I knew about it were that um it was set in Orange County. Yes. Uh, that it was a show about um a bunch of rich white people. Yes. And that um, occasionally uh, they played like some uh, pretty weak indie rock that I actually sort of like. Um, but that's basically all I know about it. That was one of the show's big and lots of f- lots of pretty people and Peter Gallagher so- chewing scenery. <laughs> we'll get to him. Oh, in a bit. Good, good, good. Uh, but yeah, that was a big part of like. The calling card for the show was the music. Yeah. Uh, like, I mean, it made liberal use of, like, just popular songs. And from what I could even, like, remember. All American Rejects were in there. Well, this was one of the first shows that I've ever seen, like, pimp out singles and soundtracks, like, after the show, like, after the credits and stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, it was very integrated with with music releases and stuff. Um, like, That's interesting, because this is like also around the time that Fox was doing like American Idol and stuff. Yeah, it was like a, a lead-in a lot of times for American Idol, or it was like... Yeah. I wonder if they that were was just like trying to it. get like more into the music thing. I mean, it would make sense. Uh, and so, okay, so in season two, uh, they... Well, don't spoil it. Oh, okay. Uh, well, well, no. Tell me. Just for this is just about the music. Okay, good. Season two, they they establish a location, just a, a music venue called the Bait Shop. Okay. And in the Bait Shop, uh, bands would be introduced and 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 get to do a gig. Such bands such as uh, the Killers, Modest Mouse, Death Cab for Cutie. Uh, they also would premiere new new singles on the show. New singles from Beastie Boys, U2, Beck, Coldplay, Gwen Stefani, and The Shins. Premiered singles yeah. in the OC? Yeah. Like during the show or in like that post-credits thing? I think like during the show. They'd probably be in the show. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Well, that's uh, that's interesting. It's like that's interesting. I pay for play product placement. Some of the songs are good, though. I mean, uh, look, if the killers played at the bait shop, I'd go see them. Yeah, I bet that's good. 
In you, a small room, I bet that's a good show. You know if Modest Mouse was playing, I'd be there. Sure. All right, so what'd you think? I <laughs> I enjoyed the episode. Um, sort of, well, it's a difficult thing to think of because it's it's... It's sort of just a big bundle of cliches. It's all sort of baked into the genre, right? Right. It it yeah, like it sort of works as like a like a genre film, but like an homage to genre films. It's like a it's like a Quentin Tarantino sort of TV show about like teenage movies, teenage TV. It's like a, a love song to right. 90210 exactly and, and melrose place exactly exactly uh, it's a yes it's a loving homage to that with some pay for play shins action because it has it all uh but oh it's got bullies <laughs> it's got uh the the popular girls it's got a dorky kid uh and the show really shows its age in the first episode with a line <laughs> It showed its age a lot of places, most notably the PlayStation 2 that Adam Brody was playing, where I was getting freaked out by seeing cords on the controllers. Yeah. That was... I mean, I didn't get freaked out by that, you know, because it was 03. Like, it was 03, but also, I for, like, we've been playing cordless video games for so long. I done forgot, man. That's only like five or six years. That's long enough to forget. Where you came from? I think forgetful. I gotta bust out the PS2 again. Play some Crash Bandicoot. Well, go for it, man. I'm gonna after the home. pod. After the pod. After the pod. Um. Uh, but uh, back to the the yeah the genre cliches. Yeah. So all right. The whole impetus of the show is that uh, Ben McKenzie's character Ryan uh, Ryan. Uh, he got arrested for stealing a car with his brother, whatever. Yeah. Um, and his, I guess, public defender is Peter Gallagher? Or... Uh, probably what happened is he got appointed. It's not really clear. It's not it's made clear. Very not clear. In in the pilot, exactly what kind of lawyer he, he, he is, so I don't know. Yeah. It seems like one of two things has happened. Either he's doing volunteer pro bono work just because he likes doing it. Or he's a public defender, or he's like appointed because he's a member of the federal bar. And if you're a member of the federal trial bar, you sometimes get appointed to represent indigent people. Um, so any of those scenarios is true. Uh, but he's filthy fucking rich, and it's probably his wife's money. He so much has said so. Right. Yeah. So he doesn't give a shit about the money, and it seems he kind of resents it. So it uh, seems more likely to me that he's either a public defender or like a low-cost defense lawyer. Yeah. Um, so either way, they like they have a talk. And uh, for the type of show that it was, I felt like they did a really good job at, at those info dumps. Yeah, it was like gentle exposition. Yeah. Like, okay – you pretty subtly actually it wasn't that subtle but subtle enough established that Ryan is actually super smart yeah um and he's just a knucklehead uh and they're leaving the prison or whatever and 
this is a scene where his mom drives up. Oh yeah. And with everything in succession, Li- yeah, literally that happens. Literally every single frame is a huge info dump on what a fuck up his mom is and what a terrible family he lives in. This beater of a car comes squealing around the corner, and in my head I go, because of course it does. Wait, wait, wait. I don't think that you've described the car accurately enough by calling it a beater. <laughs> the color of it is primer. <laughs> it sounds rust, like rust and primer. It sounds like a lawnmower. It, it sounds like if your lawnmower had a smoker's cough. Yeah. Um, and then she like, ru- she like runs it up. Onto the curb, and then... To which I then again in my head say, because of course she does. Right, because this is everything about her character. So she runs it up onto the curb. She turns back onto the street. It, you know, clangs back down onto the <laughs> onto the parking lot right in front of Juvie. It seems like she jumps out of the car without even putting it in park. Like it's, you know, still in gear, and she just jumps out of the car. And Rich, describe what she looks like when she gets out of this car. Well, she's wearing an oversized sweater with a, like full, a hoodie, a hoodie, half zipped, full shoulder exposed, to which I then say, because of course she does. Right. And the whole show has that quality of because of course. Yes. Like almost everything about it is telegraphed. Yeah. Like. There was almost no moment in the show that I couldn't tell you, like, what the outcome of a scene was going to be within, like, five seconds of the start of the scene. Absolutely. Which is also, they did on did that on a very good big picture level as well to really kind of show you what yeah, the roadmap. Yeah, you can tell where the whole series is the going. The series, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like, I could probably guess at about 60% of what's going to happen in the series. For sure. Just just based on having seen the first episode. Yeah. Um, and I don't feel like that was too clunky too clunky to where like it was just ungraceful, but it still felt you were still definitely watching a pilot. Right. They're establishing a lot, uh, but right. It didn't uh it wasn't done in like an overly heavy handed way. Yeah. Um nice. you know, even the abusive mother's boyfriend. <laughs> Because of course he was. Because of course he's going to throw Ryan through a piece of furniture. <laughs> does not, all right, does not hesitate to throw hands at first chance. Yeah, like, like, doesn't wait to be swung on. No, at all. Stepdad swings first, <laughs> hits him twice, then throws him through a table. He woke up hoping he could do that that day. He's been itching for it. Yes. <laughs> he he has just been waiting for the chance. <laughs> um, But yeah. Uh, so there were a couple things, though, throughout the episode that, that were like pleasant surprises. Um, Like one of which for sure was the fact that uh, Peter Gallagher's character, Sandy, like wasn't the like the breadwinner. He wasn't like the man of the house. That was his wife. And I, I liked that. I thought that was it wasn't what I was expecting from this show. It's a non-traditional sort of family format for a show like this. Yeah. 
especially for 2003 watching stuff now it, like yeah it would be it's all over the place which is awesome Seth would have at least two or three dads <laughs> yeah um but well okay do you want to talk about peter gallagher then well i mean you know we're gonna have to do it yeah let's do it where are you at he's incredible i love him he's incredible he has just got how fucking charming is that guy a, a charisma to him how fucking charming is he yeah <laughs> like he's probably not a, a dynamic actor i've never seen him play anyone other than peter gallagher if 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 Peter Gallagher was a car salesman and he tried to sell me Ryan's mom's car, I would probably have bought it. <laughs> but that's just because he would have made you a really great deal. I don't even drive. <laughs> it's a death trap. <laughs> well, it was at least good enough to get them out of town. <laughs> <laughs> that was the other thing I really didn't see coming was yeah. them just not being there. The end of the show. Yeah, I was, I was expecting stepdad to like, like, open up another can of whoop ass on him, and yeah. then have you know Sandy step in or something. But it was a little too close to the end of the show for that to happen. Yes, which is why because it was it was feeling like it was going to wrap up. Yeah, and he it was wrap up time. You can't have a fist fight during wrap up time. No, unless it's a two parter. Um, and even then, it can't be a cliffhanger for next week. Yeah, it's a pilot. Yeah. But even up to the point where he's like, uh, he sticks the key in the door and and opens the door, I'm just like, oh shit, they just might be murdered. It's like... Right, literally could have been anything. Yeah, yeah. but I wasn't, I wasn't expecting the entire place to be completely cleared right. out. Right. No, yeah. You're, you're right about that. Yeah. I wasn't expecting that either. Um, which, yeah, that's... That's believable enough for me to go with the premise for the rest of the show. Because then you have the episode where she comes back and tracks him down and the mom does and, you know, or, or he like just gets fed up and tries to go home or something like that. They're still out there. It's ambiguous. We have no way of tracking him down. I and mean, he's got this brother in the clink. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of ways to track him down. There was 2003. The internet was up and running. So, you know, uh, is something that I noticed about the show that was very funny was there was a scene uh, where they're at the party after the fashion show and uh, Seth walks out onto the deck and I think you know exactly what I'm going to say. There's a, there's a shot where he's, you know, he's like the not cool guy at the party. So he's kind of standing there alone, just kind of like grooving, yep. looking around and there's a group of girls over in the corner of the deck, and they have their cell phones out, but they're all talking, talking on the on. phone. <laughs> yeah. They all have the phones up to their ears, yeah. and they're 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 having phone calls, and that like it made me laugh just you know quietly to myself. I was like, boy, when's the last time you saw that? Like <laughs> never. No, I. You never see that. Everyone's got their phone out, sure. Yeah, but no one's talking on it at all. <laughs> no, oh, no, that was that was so quaint. Yeah, it was a very <laughs> like, yeah, it was like a PlayStation Two controllers. Oh my god, they have cords. Moment. Yes. Like. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's, oh, that's how we used to use those. Yeah. Like our technology has changed just subtly, but that was a thing. We have the same things of those. Just. But a yeah. Little different. Oh, we use them different. Different world. Yeah. Just uh, 
No, but uh, so in terms of other stuff that I was surprised by in the show, um, the uh, Biff Tannen looking guy with uh, <laughs> the Biff Tannen pickup truck blasting the new metal not being like a totally awesome guy. Mm-hmm. I was surprised by that. I thought that guy was going to be like, like the chillest guy, super helpful, like willing, willing to be vulnerable with his feelings. Mm-hmm. Volunteers um, on the weekend, you know, uh, turned out that wasn't the case. Not that was a curveball. Well, it's probably because those puka shells were a little too tight. You got to trust a puka shell. Hey, so there were a lot of close to the neck male necklaces in this show <laughs> on just about every single male. And I was one of them. You were one of those people at the time. It's 2003. Sweet spot. Is that around the time you had the cornrows? No, that was maybe a couple. That was maybe like a year and a half, two years earlier. Your host, Rich, had cornrows in that would have been like freshman year. It was sophomore. the summer. It was the summer between eighth and ninth grade. Okay, so just before I was yeah, a freshman. just before freshman year, yeah. cornrows. Yeah, that's a nice look. It was. Uh, you were trying actually, to look hard on your way into high school. I was just showing someone at work those pictures today rich is white you guys just so you know (laughs) if you couldn't look man look he's italian the neighborhood i grew up in (laughs) the next pictures i showed were of my 15th birthday is this the breakdancing party where we had cardboard in the middle of the street i love it (laughs) and we were breakdancing like it wasn't weird because we were all into it right now for those of you that are not familiar with Florida, this is like way outside of Miami. Yeah. This isn't even Miami. <laughs> so think of how fucking crazy that is. If like this is the kind of stuff that's totally normal, like like 30 miles outside Miami. <laughs> yeah. The radius of crazy extends out from there. It really does. Like, it extends out from it gets a little the water- point where the guy on bath salts was eating the guy's face. It gets a- that's the epicenter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i think that's and the shockwaves of crazy just radiate out yes. from there and they start to dissipate like in north broward almost to palm beach right but there's a like they're like start to be traffic laws at a certain point and where i grew up in south florida between miami and palm beach is absolutely the average between those two cities yeah of just absolute just insane people with weird not even like big egos, weird egos. You know what it is? It's like uh, the place where uh, the river meets the sea and the water is brackish. Yes. That's what Broward County is. Brackish County. It's a, Yes. <laughs> it's a brackish county. That is, that is so accurate. Rich, I think you need to make a pilot for a TV show called Brackish. Brackish. <laughs> That is just about your experience growing up in like the Fort Lauderdale area in the nineties and just make it like as true to life as you can. Look, just, just, just be true to your experience. Oh God. I love that idea. Fuck. I love that idea so much. Even just shoot like a, 
like a six minute trailer for an episode of that. <sighs> I would love to be a part of that. My God, that'd be amazing. <laughs> I this is not dying here today. <laughs> All right. Oh well, we gotta go, y'all. We got a show to work <laughs> no, on. No, 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 no. We're nowhere near done with Peter Gallagher. <laughs> we're not. We are not. We sidetracked off him, but we're not finished with that motherfucker. Damn not. it, he was so good. He like he he's just so cool. Yeah. Like everything about him is so cool. He could smile at me for fifteen straight minutes and I'd be fine with that. The, there was even a part where, like, he was, like, sort of shitting on his wife, and, like, sh- she didn't take offense. Like, he was basically calling her a sellout and, like, <laughs> saying that she used to be fun. Yeah. And, like, she was still smiling at him. And I was still smiling at him. Even yeah. Though it was mean. I was like, that's a mean thing to say. Uh, what about, uh, so how about the ladies in this show? Um, Got some Rachel Bilson. Who... So, okay, my history with the show was I started watching, I want to say somewhere around season four, and that was only because my roommate at the time, very early on in college, Ramon, would watch the show. Ah, Ramon. Yes. And I would would just... Friend of the pod. (laughs) Friend of the pod, friend of the people. Um, He would just, yeah, you just have it on in the living room, just like, oh, is this the OC? You watching the OC, dude? And I sit down and like we'd watch like four episodes in a row. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rachel Bilson's character was very different from where we found her in episode one. Yeah, she was a mean and a bad person. Right now, it is also made clear during the first episode that she's going to end up with Seth. Yeah. Because those roadmaps, Seth says so, <laughs> and it's clear who's going to be paired up with who. It's extremely clear that uh, Ryan is going to end up with the neighbor who's played by uh, Misha, Misha Barton. Barton. Yeah, what's her character's name? Uh, Marissa. Marissa. Yes. Marissa. Yeah. So Ryan and Marissa clearly are going to pair up. She's an alcoholic, uh, but is hiding it, and he's from the wrong side of the tracks. So they're both going to try to save each other. Um, and I'm, I mean, look, I think that relationship's going to be smooth. I don't see any problems. <laughs> um, Seth and Summer is probably going to be mostly sabotaged by the fact that Seth is going to be, uh, pretty scared to make a move. Uh, so in that sense, it's going to be basically a documentary of my life from the years 2003 <laughs> to 2006. Um, so I probably could have used this, this show when it was on. Yeah. But I uh, did not watch it when it aired. You wouldn't. Uh, you wouldn't salt your own game. I didn't. <laughs> I was salting one's game. <laughs> Have you ever heard that expression anywhere outside of this episode? There were. Or don't don't salt my game. I want to say there were a few other things from this episode that like. That oh, was never a thing. I said it at the at the, the top of the show. I don't remember hearing the term Froyo until at least 2007. Now, Froyo's been around. I know frozen yogurt's been around. No, no, no. The term Froyo has been around for a long time. I swear I hadn't heard it till 
past the mid 2000s. I must have heard that shit in the late 90s. Whoa. Swear to God. Swear to God. That when the neighbor lady said, Did you get my fro yo? That blew my mind. I was like, Holy shit, did they invent the word fro yo? They didn't. Because, like, it's an easy thing to put together. Look, you went, you went into like a TCBY in the 90s, right? We were Baskin Robbins town, dude. Baskin Robbins town. Yeah. yeah. Not a lot of Froyo going on. Not a lot of yogurt. No. Well. Yeah. There's probably room for both of them now in a brackish town. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, so it's pretty obvious uh, <laughs> basically what's, what's going to un- unfold uh, eventually throughout the course of the show. Um, I'm pretty much going to guess how the series ends even is with the boat trip with Seth and Summer. Oh. You can confirm if that's right or wrong. I I didn't actually. I watched. If you know. Just those. I do not know. Okay. I did not finish the the, Okay. Well, some of our listeners are going to be like, no, you idiot. (laughs) You see very quickly it's obviously going to end like this, but that's only in episode two or three. Um. Uh, sorry to sidetrack again. Another no, small little thing that like surprised me just because it was like such a weird, quirky thing to be in a show like this mm. was when uh, Ryan and Seth sit down at the kids' table at the fashion show, mm-hmm. and all of those kids are just like so weird. Yeah, they're all ugly. Well, even aside from it is interesting that like in a show full of beautiful people, they cast some pretty unattractive children. Yeah, and. And on top of that, like they just they acted weird too. Yeah, they were all really silent. And yeah, strange. and I love that. I love that there was just like this really weird table of weirdos, ch- weirdo children. Well, at this fashion show, that is and it another was bit a- of exposition. Is is like that is the only place that Seth could feel comfortable at an event like that for sure. Like that is what that's trying to tell you, and it gets it across in a really <laughs> clear way. Is like, but even the fact that they would like decide and and follow through to do that yeah have him go literally sit at the kids table but they're being like this weird yeah and the kids, kids table fucked up and weird at a at a at a, a, a fashion show you know what it is it's a is charity it's, fashion show like it's not even the kids table it's like the weird kids table yes like it's not even the cool kids table yeah it's like the b or c level kids table i just I thought it was a cool choice that they actually like went through and executed that. That was nice. Like you said, the exposition was tastefully done. And that was a nice bit of it. And it was a very funny scene because it was a lot of just in inbred looking rich white people <laughs> and awkward pauses. Just these kids with huge foreheads. It's just like, the kids from the hills have eyes. <laughs> the Hollywood Hills? The the Hollywood Hills. <laughs> No, I guess that's very far from Orange it's, County. Yeah. I don't know much about the geography of Southern California. SoCal, you know. Our leading man, Ben McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, a bit of a brooding type, tough guy. I'm assuming that that gets kind of worn down yeah. through the course of the show. Um, I think probably there's there's going to be times where where he cries i think he's gonna cry i was kind of hoping for him to break down when he got home and it was empty and he read the note now i didn't see what the note said 
we are not meant to see what it says except to know that they left a note. Yeah. So. So maybe it was something on there that wouldn't trigger that reaction, but the mo like if he had a moment he where pissed. he could, yeah yeah um I he was better than I was expecting him to be yeah that's right that's right I have he was a, surprisingly good I have a theory that for a lot of shows if you're the uh, straight white male protagonist of the show it doesn't leave you a lot of a lot more room because you're carrying like the story and the plot and everything doesn't leave you much more room to actually be interesting otherwise. And that's what all the other characters are sort of around for. That's why all the other characters are the best. Yeah. He's like, uh, he's, he's the thing around which everything else revolves. Yes. And he's sort of standing still while everything else is moving around frantically. And because you him. have to pass so much, story and development and yeah. and time through this character the other things that make everyone else so interesting just don't have get, to bounce off him, exactly yeah. um and i i don't feel like he was i feel like he did an above average job of being the straight white male protagonist of the show i agree um the scenes that were always going to occur in the show, like the fight scene on the beach at the party, yeah. which was obviously going to happen. Um, him getting thrown out of the house by the mom, mm -hmm. which was always going to happen. Like even those scenes where it's pretty inevitable, like there's just something about his character that he showed like a lot of range, obviously yeah. as an actor. Um, but like, he seemed to do something that uh, I think is is difficult for a lot of those type of actors to pull off, which is where you kind of like don't make the silence weird, but you make it seem like it's just a part of who that person is. Yeah. And he was very, very good throughout the whole episode of like having moments where he wouldn't say anything. Mm-hmm. But it wouldn't be weird. Yeah, he would. He would just be comfortable with it being silent. Like the scene where he first sees Marissa, where he's out smoking at the end of the driveway, mm -hmm. and she's just waiting for Biff Tannen, and he just like looks at her, and she just looks at him. Yeah, and they just look at each other for like fifteen seconds. Yeah, and nobody says fucking anything. And it's he's he's totally cool. And it kind of puts her off that, like, he's totally cool. Yeah. Like, that's what makes him alluring. But he doesn't come across as blank. Right. It comes across as, like, there's a lot there, and he's just choosing to be silent. Man, I should have said a lot less in high school, because that shit worked for him. He's also, like, way more attractive than, like, I was in high school. I mean, I don't know if it would have worked for you. You had yeah. a lot going on. But like, well, he's also probably like thirty here too. So, well, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like the McConaughey character. Yeah. <laughs> well, they were all like, I was expecting Adam Brody to look a little younger than he ended up looking here. And how old was he? If you know, I don't offhand. 
Well, he was probably in his mid-20s. Right, because all these kids are supposed to be like 17. Yeah. They're supposed to be like before their senior year. Yeah. Okay. So So these kids are like doing coke already. Yeah, which, you know, I never went to any parties like that in high school. Yeah, me neither. But people do. I mean, that is sort of the... I'm sure people do, yeah. uh, That always was the thing people said about the more affluent high schools is like, yeah, they do like, yeah, like real drugs there. Yeah. And rich kids do. And like party a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like, we're just trying to have fun rubbing two sticks together. It's like, you know, then again, I probably was just hanging out with like the theater kids. So, we would just go karaoke night and shit. Yeah. Anyway. I think there was a dude selling condoms at that party. It's like a weird flash shot. It was like it was like a one and a half second shot. Yeah. It was like it was like ten frames of, of like a guy holding up like some like, small cardboard boxes, but like they were like three fanned out. Fanned out like boxes. They were like the correct size yeah. to be like a three pack of condoms. And I think there was like a, a like a folded ten. $10 bill like in the frame maybe as well. We didn't go back to look at it. Yeah, like it was I think you'd have to go frame by frame. But <laughs> you know, the context of that shot was very odd. There's like a lot of people dancing and it's at like a beach house, so everyone's in like bikinis and yeah. there's a lot of skin and you know, you the had music your fat, is, fun, fat fun party friend there you there. go who gets drawn on <laughs> exactly he falls asleep next to the keg that poor guy <laughs> he had it coming um who uh do you want to do mvp or lvp first um let's do well how how like involved does a character have to be to qualify like is there a minutes <laughs> <laughs> you know is there like a minutes there's minimum? a yeah, there's a a, a a minimum at bats you have yeah. to have. Okay, so uh, Marissa's mom is probably my least valuable player. Interesting. I was gonna say Marissa's dad was least valuable player for me. Marissa's dad is only not the least valuable player for me because he he experiences emotion. There's, there's, there's something there. The mom is, is just, well, at this point, at least she's super one dimensional and selfish. And the dad is like going through a lot of stuff that he, he probably has coming. And that might be just like, cause for me, the mom, I'm glad you asked about the minimums because she was in it so little, like yeah, she didn't even like register for me. Yeah. Um, she just sucks. Well, and I think just by LVP looking at the Biff Tannen, no, because he was he was a good two thousands Biff. Yeah, like he did it. He did what he had to do. So are we talking but, like? But like, the mom, though, real quick. This is interesting. Yeah, yeah sure. Ends up in ninety of the ninety two episodes. She's all over the show. Yeah. So. I think a lot of that, what you said, 
come between the mom and the dad comes down to like writing. Yeah. The dad was written who played by Tate Donovan, I want to say. Yeah. He was written to experience emotion. Did he portray them well? To me, that entire show looked like he was auditioning for the show. Okay, so in terms of like like the worst acting performance? I go by performance. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, as far as characters, yeah, the mom definitely. Yeah. I mean, in terms of performance, he was atrocious. Um, yeah, he was he was given more to work with. And, yeah, and but he was bad. Yeah, like he was maybe given way too much to work with. It, <laughs> it was kind of a lot to bite off. Like the first episode of the show is obviously you know, like we're saying, they're trying to get a lot of exposition out, but they're trying to be subtle about it. There's not a lot subtle no. about his character. Or, or or how he plays it. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's pretty clear that, what's going to happen and what kind of guy he is. All of his stuff feels like it was written by a completely different person, <laughs> like not in the room. It feels like uh, the screenplay was typed out like a real screenplay, <laughs> and the writers went through and they wrote all the dialogue for all of the other characters. And then somebody came in and wrote his in in like crayon. <laughs> the writers just like left a blank space, and you know somebody came in with a crayon, just like gripped in their fists, <laughs> and just like you know wrote by like moving their shoulder, like act hard, <laughs> be sad, <laughs> rip off toilet dispenser, yeah, toilet paper dispenser, scare kid, yeah, <laughs> hold dog, like. Just and he was, he was like going ninety miles an hour the whole time, and like, all right, come on, you yeah, can, you can play this a little closer to the vest. Okay, I'd agree with that. Cool, I'd agree with that. Uh, do you have anybody in mind for MVP? Because I feel like it will eventually be unanimous, but I, there's an interesting conversation I want to I want to throw out there. Well. <clears throat> You want to throw your conversation out, or do you want me to yeah. throw my guess out first? Well, because, I mean, Peter Gallagher, how much fun is he just to watch? He's worth the price of admission alone. Yes. Yeah. A runner-up, you a come nominee. Peter Gallagher. You stay for the OC. <laughs> It'd still be on the air if that was the, uh, <laughs> that was the tagline. The, I want to throw out there... <clears throat> The combined acting efforts and chemistry of Ben McKenzie and Adam Brody. They were really good together. They were surprisingly good together. Like a lot of lot of on screen, like they had a good chemistry. A lot of chemistry. It just it just clicked. And I was I that was another thing I was very surprised by. Yeah, it sort of seems <laughs> like uh well. You know, it's 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 that thing where they are both outsiders. Yeah. They're both really different people, but mm-hmm. they are both clearly outsiders where they find themselves. So, and neither of them has anyone else. Yeah. So they're just kind of thrown together, and they have that to start their bond with. And you know, I I think it sort of makes sense, but the actors really pull off that 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 click for sure very well. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. On pa- like on paper, that definitely should work. 
and it doesn't always. Here, they nailed it. Well, yeah, like, you might have had somebody play Ryan like a little more tough guy, you know, like a little more wrong wrong side of the tracks. Yeah, he or, maybe has like a, a bicep tattoo. Yeah, or, you know, that necklace that he was wearing was just a little bit tighter. Yeah. Or, you know, somebody might have played Seth just a little bit geekier. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, uh, it was all there for them. That was nice. Yeah. That was nice. The two of them combined still can't touch the it factor of one it's Peter not Gallagher. It's not fair. It's not fair. They're playing a different game. Really? It's checkers really and chess. <laughs> um, would, would you have a, a question for either this episode or the series as a whole for either the director, Doug Lyman, or the creator, Josh Schwartz. Or, you know what? I'll throw McGee in there as well. You can ask McGee any question. This is just my way of saying, what would you ask McGee if you ever had a chance to talk to him? You were going to make up a fake name. You can pick anything. McGee? Why? That, okay, so that'd be my first question. But with respect to the show, if I could ask like any one question about the show, that's interesting. Yeah. It, uh, I don't know. I'm sort of at a loss on that. I mean, because there's no real like mysteries or there's no yeah. real like weird production things. Yeah, like I was saying, it's like yeah. you sort of know where it's going to go and it's like an homage <clears throat> to a genre, you know, so, you know, it hits the beats it's supposed yeah. to hit. And uh, it's just it was yeah. business as usual. I'd, I'd ask something along the lines of Which like. Which is really well executed. Yeah. Well, it was big and only was on the air for four seasons, which is weird. I remember it being a complete phenomenon yeah. and it was on when we were in high school it started probably during the fall of our junior year yeah uh oh three so yeah yeah fall of our junior year so yeah we were one year behind the kids in the oc yeah so it should have been really big for me and i remember that it was a very popular show and i remember that people talked about it but there was no way i was gonna like that show yeah in 2003 like the thing about me is like when when I was that age, I I feel like from what I saw of of Seth that I was very like Seth at that age. Like I had the Ramones poster on on the wall and the Sex Pistols albums and like I don't think Seth would watch the OC. No. Oh no. <laughs> like if it was on, I don't think he would. So like I I think it sort of makes sense then that yeah. like yeah, like it wasn't for me then. <laughs> yeah. Now I can watch it with a sense of nostalgia and, and yeah, like displacement almost. Yeah, like yeah. the irony of distance. And, yeah, but yeah, but also that, still actually like appreciate it. Oh sure. Um, do you pick this up as an audience member? As both, or as yeah, as you now. Uh, it's also on Hulu. It's on uh, the CW Seed, which is a thing. Um, like you can watch CW shows on it, like for free. Oh, nice. yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, 
so as as yeah as well, the viewing audience um, you know what i think i would pick it up in a casual way mm -hmm. watch it every once in a while definitely a good like decompress type show yes it's a soap opera yeah so there's no real cultural value to it especially anymore yeah like uh and like was it trying to innovate i'm not sure that it was i mean i don't know all we saw was the pilot but as we've said you know time and time again it was extremely predictable and it was extremely of its genre so it's like i'm not sure how much it really innovated but since it was executed at such a high level and it's you know when you're watching a show even if the plot is bad if the actors are compelling you can still watch it and it'll be good yeah it's very hard to have a good plot with shitty actors doing it badly and have it work out yeah so like the oc i mean it might be really weak material and based on the fact that mcgee is associated with it i have to assume that there was like some some sort of dampening effect just because <laughs> he was near it um but yeah damn those those uh 30 year old 17 year olds pull it off yeah uh i man i would definitely have to agree uh I could definitely see myself pulling up, you know, a couple episodes here and there. Yeah. And just let them ride. I, from the research I've done, the brief research I've done tonight, uh, seasons two and three are very bad, but season four is very good. Okay. So, there All right. you go. Um, and also, yeah, definitely as, as a network executive, I picked this up as well. Now, are we talking about in its time, or are we talking about like, like if that pilot came across your desk today, today in 2017, and it would still be set in 2003, it wouldn't be updated. Well, it would be literally the exact same show, just now, in HD. Now we're working with period piece, right? I can market that, but it's so recent. It's like, hey, aren't you nostalgic for? 10 chords years ago. and talking on cell phones <laughs> hey how do you feel about the bush ears <laughs> <laughs> like oh yeah i forgot about those <laughs> that being the case i would sit on it for like a year and a half two years and then then i think you would definitely be able to market it as as a period piece i think this like the fashion was different enough where it's gonna feel different enough yeah there was definitely some funny like whoa you'd never see that stuff yeah not as much as i was expecting no um because it did start to get sort of like toned down uh in like the 2000s like yeah. everyone stopped wearing like neon and clogs and shit yeah basically the 90s just need to it was rough wolf the 90s was trying to bring everything back and none of it working yeah, it was just like there was nothing really that creative. <laughs> it was trying to revive everything. Yeah, once. yeah. Um, but also, this was this show is sort of like the last of its kind too. Not only was it like a love song and an homage, this is like the last primetime teenage soap worthwhile or original one. They tried to bring back nine hundred two one zero, failed miserably. Right. Yeah. Now, 
Do you think that it failed because it was not done well? Or it, was it was bad. Not we had well? it on the show before. It, it was, was very okay. bad. It was bad. Yeah. Well, you had to expect it to be. Uh, fully. Rarely is there like a remake where you're like, oh, dude, did you see the remake of that? It was so much better than the original. <laughs> Rarely do those words pass <laughs> anyone's lips. It's like, you know what was awesome? Uh, was like that remake that they just made for cash like years later. It's totally sick. They do happen. Um, I actually think there's a Netflix show on right now that's like a remake of a multicam uh, 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 Norman Lear show. Um, and I forget the name of it. Oh, yeah. But yeah, you know what I'm talking about. One day about. at a time. One day at a time. Um, that's apparently pretty good. Okay. Pretty good things. I haven't seen it yet. Yeah, that's neither. I, it's on my very recent list of shit to watch. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think this was like a really cool time capsule to watch. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. There yeah. were definitely some songs I was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't listened to that in years. Um, the last thing I want to talk about yeah. is Phantom so, Planet. Is Phantom Planet. Uh they were the song for this episode. But I know that so this episode didn't really have an opening title sequence. Yeah, it was it just starts with the car theft. Yeah. And then after that, like, so the the opening credits are, you know, just laid over a scene. Yeah. And the song is just played under a scene. Yeah. Whereas it's played like, while he's like riding the bike after he gets yeah. kicked out of his house. Yeah. And so that just made me think, like, was that was that the plan all along or did the song catch on so much that they just adopted it as its full time? theme song or did they plan on those like new songs and debuting songs or like indie songs oh so it would have like, like a different theme every week yeah and that was just like the one they happened to choose for the pilot or and like it just the one that they happened to be able to clear for the pilot yeah and it was i mean it is a perfect song i mean the song is called california and it's all you know and, of course, you know, California, here we come. And the, the tone of the song and everything about the song, it just it just fits the... Yeah, it's up and down, perfect for its period. It, it is perfect for the tone of the show. Mm -hmm. it, it, it sounds like a song that the characters would, would, would listen to. Um, and, I mean, it's, it's a song about California. I mean, yeah. It, it's a great title song. That would be my my question for Josh Schwartz. That's a great question. That would be my fuck that shitty so Orange County question. So later on, is is there an extended title sequence where they like have the actors' names like you know from what I remember a shot of the actors and then like the Phantom Planet song plays over that. From what I remember, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's why. That's why. That stuck out so much to me. That makes sense. Yeah. like you could see like that pilot being made and somebody from the network saying like, you know, that California song works really fucking well. And I think we need a title sequence because mm -hmm. there's a lot of actors in the show and we need to put the name Peter Gallagher next to Peter Gallagher's face um, so that people uh, know who to talk about at the water cooler when they're yeah. talking about who's awesome. Yeah. I think we covered every single 
corner of the show. We got all the angles? Yeah. Um, and I, uh, I would like to extend this to Married with Movies to do a companion podcast to the film Orange County. Oh. Starring Jack Black and Colin Hanks. Who you might hear about a little bit later or something like that. Um, so I'm just going to throw that down there right there. I, so I like that gauntlet. Um, yeah, that'll do it for us here on Picked Up. Um, Tony, dude, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for, uh, thank you for uh, having me on the pod and for introducing me to the OC. If you want people to find you on the internet, where would they do that? Or not, what's something you'd like to plug um, of your own or whatever? I don't really... Whatever you think is good. I don't really do a lot of internet stuff. Uh, my Twitter is private because I don't really tweet. And my Instagram is dormant because I lurk. Um, so people can't really find me. <laughs> uh, but you can find me in the streets. Uh, right. Holly to play if you see him in the street. Yeah. Um, so uh, I'll uh, catch you guys next time. What's something you would recommend? Like what's something you want to give a free plug to? Oh, a free plug? Yeah. I want to give a free plug to uh the new album by the xx that uh dropped uh earlier this month it's a really good album it's called i see you uh and it's pretty good check it out and i want to give uh, a shout out to uh the women's march uh, yes that will probably have already occurred it will uh, have taken place uh but it's taking place about 10 hours from now yeah uh so i want to give a shout out to the great success that that was by the time you hear this i will echo that sentiment as well and um, and echo what I always say at the end of every one of these episodes. Thank you so much for <clears throat> subscribing, listening, downloading. Um, rate it on iTunes, people. Please, please rate it on iTunes. And don't hold it against me. Even if I'm three stars, Rich is five stars. That and Rich is on it every time. Is That is, in my opinion, opposite. Because you were nails, dude. Oh, you were Rich. great. Um. Also, Google Play Music uh, for you Android users out there. Yeah. Um, and yeah. Cool too. Uh, check us out on Twitter, Picked Up Pod, Facebook, Picked Up Podcast, email, Picked Up Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, also, of course, our home base of operations, arcadeaudio.net, where you can find this show and a ton of other shows um, coming at you right now and coming at you very, very very soon in the future um these are tangible things that i can't talk about yet but holy shit i'm excited so thank you again for everything and thanks for picking us up keep your dial tuned to awesome thank you for playing arcade audio play more at arcadeaudio.net